Good morning, River Heights. I love it. Just the talk of just people talking and conversing is so good. People online, how you doing today? Happy Sunday to you. Awesome. Oh, we'll do it. little elbow bump action, yeah, from way back in the day. Morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys. So good to see family and be here with family and be able to just rest and hear what God has to say. It's exciting. My name is Jeff, and I am one of the pastors here on staff, um, and I get the privilege and the honor to, to share this morning. Uh, we are in the middle of a, of a series uh, going through, we're kind of progressing through a Bible reading plan, if you will, um, and, you know, it follows a pattern of you, get, you read every day, you'll read an Old Testament passage, a Psalm, a New Testament passage, and then one of the... One of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, uh, you'll read through those and uh, just see what God is speaking to you each day. It's, it's a great plan. You can pick one up on the slat wall as you walk out on the left. There's, there's some plans there or at the Welcome Center you can grab them. That would be fantastic for you to do. Today's, today's passages circle around irony, irony that no one saw coming at all. So that, let's pray. Ah, Holy Spirit, just come. Just, I love the song, Lord. Just fill this place. And let your freedom ring out. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you. We invite you to just prepare our hearts. Just kind of push things aside from the week, if we can, so that we can, we can hear you and understand you even more than before. So God, just speak to us today as we go through this, this, these passages. God, we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are, um, our life group session is our, like our winter slash spring session right now. And we are going through the Alpha Video series, which is fantastic. Uh, it, it talks about who God is and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all these, uh, all these things uh, about the Christian faith. And, and it's really uplifting and encouraging uh, for, for my faith anyway. Uh, I go through this Alpha course a lot, but every time I go through it, it just uplifts who I am and reminds me of who I am in Christ. But it, it also is a great place that, I mean, we've had some great discussions, and we're just a couple weeks in, and we're having great discussions. Uh, it's, it's great for, for people exploring faith as well. I would I recommend uh, that you guys come to one of them. Uh, we have a ton of, again, on that slat wall out there as you walk out, there's a, lit, there's a whole litany of them. Uh, different times throughout the week, so hopefully you can find one that suits you. Uh, there's some in, on Zoom. There's some in person. I would love to have you be a part, and, and bring somebody with you. There's no, that's, that's the best thing that you can really do sometimes is to have somebody come with you, and you can do it together. So I would encourage you to, to be a part of that, and the reason why I bring that up is because this past week, we heard the story of Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if you're familiar with Corey Ten Boom at all. See a lot of this and a lot of this, so that's okay. Uh, Corey Tinboom, uh, we we heard her story, and uh, it's a phenomenal story. Corey Tinboom 
spent about the first 50 years of her life with her sister and her dad. And then they lived above their watch shop in, uh, in Holland. Uh, but when World War II broke out and they saw what was happening to the Jewish people and, and the Dutch resistance fighters, all the persecution that was happening, they said, we need to do something about this. We need to help as much as we can. We need to help as many people as we can. And so they hid a lot of the Jewish people, a lot of the Dutch uh, resistance fighters in their home. Uh, I was talking to somebody after the service that went there and saw her home. You can visit in Holland. And, and they, um, it was basically the size of a little closet. And they stood like side by side. Fat guys like me, it, it's, it takes, you know, it take a lot of space. But they would pack into this little closet and just hide there, sometimes for days, uh, just trying to, to, to stay safe and stay free. And they hid these people. Well, on February 28, 1944, um, Corey and her family were betrayed by uh, a gentleman who came in and, and was, a, was an informant for the SS, for the Gestapo. And he said he came in, said he was Jewish, seeking asylum, that his wife uh, had been arrested. Uh, and so they took him in. But then uh, the, the police, the Gestapo, they were watching the shop. They were watching their house the entire time. And so by the end of the day, they had arrested everybody that went into the house, even their family, which was about 30 people total that they arrested. And when they arrested her dad, um, they said, you know, because he could be condemned to death, he said, when they told him that he could be condemned to death for what he had done, he said, it'd be an honor for me to give my life for God's chosen people. And he died um, not too, too long after that in, a, in, a, in one of the prisons that I can't pronounce. Uh, but Corey and her sister, uh, Betsy, were taken to the notorious um, concentration camp, Ravensbrück. Uh, and they actually were able to stay together as sisters. They were able to stay together throughout their imprisonment until Betsy, her sister, passed away in 1944. Now, 12 days after her sister passed, Corey was I can't talk today. miraculously released from prison due to a technical error or clerical error. So that's what God is calling it. Uh, but a week after her release, all the female prisoners from her age group in that concentration camp were killed. And then in 1946, at the age of 53... Uh, she started a worldwide ministry that she traveled to over 60 countries uh, in 33 years and just preaching and talking to people about the grace of God and who God is and forgiveness. Um, and she wrote a ton of books. Um, and her, her books, her writings really sur were surrounded with love, forgiveness, and things like that. And she walked these out. She walked them out every day. And if you want to read more of that story, it's in her book, The Hiding Place. Uh, you can read that. But in Alpha, we got a clip of what she actually said, an interview that she actually gave. And you get to hear it from her own mouth, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it here. And uh, this is after she had, had uh, given one of her sermons, given one of her talks at a church in Munich. And she says this, uh, <clears throat> It was a church service in Munich that I saw him, a former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly, 
It was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's blanched face, pale, just all these thoughts and uh, occurrences that had happened had flooded back into her mind. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming, saying how grateful I am for your message, Fraulein. He said, to think that as you say, this is him talking about her saying, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people uh, in, in Blomendal, I need to forgive. I kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I prayed, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on Christ's. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. I mean, Corey's journey, that, I mean, that, that is just an amazing story. And her journey and the things that she did still travel around today, even though she passed away in Placentia, California on her birthday in 1983 at the age of 91. And she said, we have nothing to fear because Jesus is victor and he will never let us down. With Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains and the very best is yet to be. What irony, right? Such irony that you do all these things for God. You're doing all these things and, and telling people you've been through. I mean, she lived some of the worst things that were done to her. And she saw things done around her. And then yet, right at the end of one of her messages, her own tormentor was asking for the very forgiveness that she was talking about. That's irony. And irony relies on, on, being, on somebody being surprised. It's not, it's not, it's not, we don't expect it. It's not irony if we don't expect it, right? It's more likely to happen when we're comfortable. When we think we have everything going, when we think we have everything under control, that's when it hits us. And then everything gets flipped and turned upside down. And maybe you've experienced irony in your life. Think about that for a second. When have you experienced irony? Was it pleasant? Did it go well? Or did you walk away saying, dang, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done this differently. I know I'm dating myself here, but back in 1996, some of you weren't even born yet. There was a singer-songwriter by the name of Alanis Morissette. Oh, yeah, I think 
had some head nods there, like, ah, oh, we don't want to talk about her. But yeah, Alanis Morissette. No, it was great. She wrote a song called Ironic. However, the ironic thing, the ironic thing about this song is that the things, a lot of the things that she lists in her lyrics weren't ironic. How ironic is that? Hmm. Anyway, but but most of, they were mostly like a bummer. It's like, oh, bummer, man, that that really happened. Like, here's, here's a few of her lyrics. Rain on your wedding day. That's not ironic. That's a bummer. Um, it's, free, it's a free ride when you've already paid. It's the good advice that you just didn't take. Well, it's not really ironic, but that's a bummer. Dang it, I wish I would have known that. I wish, oh. It's a bummer, right? Things happen like that. So let's, let's take a look at the scripture today. 2 Corinthians 3. You can open up in your Bible app, flip to it, read it on the screen. Uh, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 3 today. That's our main passage we're going to look at today in reference to a couple more. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he says this. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore... Having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in sight of God. Now, the veil that Paul is referring to, he's going all the way back to Exodus chapter 34, and he's talking about when he went up to Mount Sinai, went up on the top of the mountain, he would talk to God, and then he would come back down, and his face was so glowing and so radiant, the people were afraid. So he had to put a veil over his face. So whenever he was in front of the people, he put a veil over his face. Whenever he went up to talk to God, he'd take the veil off. However, over time, over time, that went away. Over time, that glory, that that beaming, that radiancy went away because of the Israelites and what they did and what they weren't doing. They were disobedient, disunified, lack of acknowledging the goodness of God. They had lack of patience. But yet Paul still kept wearing the veil. And that veil represents a barrier. It represents a barrier that keeps, it, it makes them think that they're safe. It makes us think that we're safe. But actually, it keeps them from relationship. It keeps us from relationship. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. And when I read this a few times, I just felt like God was just saying, 
that's a veil over my heart, like a veil that we hide behind. And what veils do you hide behind? Like, I think of, uh, I thought of like pretending, the, the veil of pretending, like faking it through your marriage, faking it through your job, overspending to keep up with the neighbors, keep up with the Joneses. How about insecurity, the veil of insecurity, like bullying? Uh, anybody can bully somebody. Adults bully adults. Kids bully kids. It's insecurity, this veil. How about conforming to the people and the, the world around you, just conforming to their belief system? And anger is another form of insecurity. Any of this sound familiar to you, maybe? I know it did me a little bit. Well, quite a bit. I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. And I don't like conflict. Anybody else like conflict? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't see any hands in the air on that one. But I, being that I don't like conflict and I don't like to confront people, um, I'm working on that. But I knew something was wrong in my marriage at, at, at the time. And, and it was... But yet I would walk up to everybody and say, oh, things are going great. Things are great. Life is good. Yeah, it's great. But is it really? Was it really? It wasn't. It wasn't great. And those are the things that we hide behind. And we can say there are different reasons for that, but those are the reasons that we put a veil over our faces to hide the things that we might be embarrassed of, might be judged for, that's why it sounds familiar to me, and that's why God just kind of brought these things to my mind. So what veils do you choose when you feel alone, when you feel afraid or insecure? So where's the irony in all this? Where, where do we see irony? So follow me here for a minute. Just, just bear with me. Paul said this uh, back in 2 Corinthians. He said, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord there is Freedom, thank you. Somebody said it. Thank you, Rena. Appreciate you. Um, it, here's the thing. The Jews were expecting the Messiah, their ideal Messiah. They, they had been waiting for one for about 700 years. Okay, They're still waiting. They think that this guy is going to be amazing, which he was, but they think he's going to be a military, a military type person. And what I love about this is that we're going we're gonna to look back at some of these because in Isaiah it talks about, it kind of prophesies who the Messiah will be. Throughout the book of Isaiah, we see these prophecies uh, about the Messiah's birth, ministry, and death. So uh, Isaiah 61.1 says this. This is what was prophesied. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the cap that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Like I said, the Jews thought that this, this guy was going to, this Messiah, their Messiah, their ideal Messiah was going to come in as a military ruler and take them out from underneath the oppression of the Romans. And then they would be set up as the nation that runs the world that they would be number one in the world. And while they're waiting for this 
Messiah to show up, their ideal Messiah, a man, a rabbi, a teacher, a miracle worker named Jesus shows up. Jesus went around healing people, speaking to multitudes, just big crowds, performing miracles, casting out demons, so many things he was doing. And then Luke chapter 4 happened. It says this about Jesus. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Shortest sermon in history, right there. But yet one of the most powerful sermons in history. Because do you realize what he just said? He just said what was prophesied 700 years earlier, I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one, the Savior. Well, needless to say, that just created chaos from that moment on. Literal chaos between the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, all these different people. Uh, from that moment on, Jesus was challenged. He was arrested. He was tried. He was beaten and put to death eventually for claiming to be the Messiah. Jesus was not the military leader that they thought he would be, that they thought the Messiah would be. Instead, he was just the opposite. And he, a perfect description of who he was is in Matthew chapter 12. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Yet again, another prophecy fulfilled concerning him, concerning Jesus. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. That's irony. That is, God turned everything upside down. I mean, we can call it double irony, double, triple irony, because not only did he, not only did he turn everything upside down by sending a Messiah that wasn't military leader, but Jesus died and then he rose again from the dead. Who does that? Yeah, nobody. But Jesus did. God flipped everything upside down. And now he's now everyone can come to him, not just Israel, but everybody gets a piece. Everybody gets some of God and gets some of Jesus. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, but one, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now here's the thing: there's the temple. The temple was still in Rome at the time. Uh, and in the temple, there's an inner room called the Holy of Holies. Now, this room is separated from the rest of the temple by, um, by a, a, a giant veil, which was about 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, and about as thick as my hand. That's a thick piece of cloth. 
or many put together. Now, many of you know that when you put up curtains or hang up your shower curtains, they're pretty light. You can do it yourself, right? And you could probably tear it if you really wanted to and rip it in half, whatever. If you want to do that, you can try it at home. I'm sure you can. But if you think about it, it only takes one of you to do that. With this curtain, they have to take it down every so often to cleanse it and put up another one. It takes 300 priests to do that. That's how heavy it was. That's how big it was. And its sole purpose, the sole purpose of this veil is to separate us from God's presence. That's what its purpose was. But when Jesus died on the cross, something big happened. When Jesus died, the minute he died, earthquakes happened. And that veil that I just described to you, it says in Matthew 27 that it tore from top to bottom. It split in half. That's a lot of power. And something big took place. And I, I'm convinced that God was making it clear that we don't have to be afraid of his presence and that everybody is invited into relationship with him. Everybody. God is saying, I want face-to-face relationship with you. I want that. I want us to be able to converse with one another. And the veil tearing is God saying that everybody is welcome. Not just Moses, not just the priests, but everybody. He gave everyone the opportunity to choose freedom. The irony for us is the same irony that the Israelites experienced. Sometimes we have veils. We put veils on our own face. Sometimes to keep away from face-to-face relationships with Jesus or with each other. But we do those things as well. Here at River Heights, uh, we want to be a place where people love God, love people, and change the world. But we can't do that fully when we need to heal from the, the veils that we have on our own faces. Guys, no more pretending, no more insecurity, just 100% you, raw with God, and letting him be in control. According to Paul, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed and you are set free from that veil. Then, then what's great is then we get to do the transformation. God does a transformational work that we can now begin to do what God has called us to do and God has created us to be, who he's created us to be. I love that about our God, that he cares for us that much, that he tore the veil and said, no more, come to me. If I could have the worship team come up. And if you can, if you can, if you're able, if you can stand with me, I'd like to just pray for you today, pray, pray right now for us. I just want to say, come Holy Spirit. Just come Holy Spirit. Yeah, just come. Come, God. Just come Holy Spirit. Just rest in this place right now. Move in our hearts.
some of us have had veils over our faces, over our hearts for a long time. And to rip that off, God, I just pray that you would just bring protection. Because we're going to be raw. And it's going to hurt. But God, it's going to be so great. Thank you for irony that's in the Bible. Not being what everybody expects. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. Man. Thank you that we can come to you. We can turn to you. And when we do turn to you, the veil can be taken away. And we can be set free. Holy Spirit, come. Just help us be free today. If I could have some of the uh, prayer team come up, uh, that would be awesome. Guys, this is, uh, it'll be a great time for prayer here the next few minutes. But before we do that, I'd like to share some tips with you. Um, the first one is read the Second Corinthians passage and also the Exodus passage um, and just meditate on them. Read them a couple times through and say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with me? What do you want to do for me or through me? What do you want to do? And just meditate on that and listen to God. Just sit there and listen to what he has for you and see what the Holy Spirit reveals to you. The second one is pray. Uh, pray for God to give you an opportunity to remove that mask, to re or not mask, to remove the veil off your heart, off your eyes, off your mind. But just pray for God to give you that opportunity. And the last one is tell somebody about Jesus this week. It's a challenge. Just tell one person about Jesus so they can have veils removed from their hearts, removed from their eyes, their minds. Guys, we want to give you an opportunity to, here's a, a perfect opportunity. Uh, you don't have to do it today, but it would be fantastic to start today um, to just come up and receive prayer today. This is an amazing, safe place to do that. We are family. This is a River Heights family. And family, we don't judge each other at all. It's like you come up with your stuff. Guys, we're all broken. Oh my gosh, we're all broken. And God just wants to heal our hearts. He wants to heal our, our minds. And I would just encourage you to come up, receive prayer. You can come and I'll be out in the hall. We'll, we can pray right out there too. That's okay. And just so as you know that when you pray for things up here with these, with these folks, it doesn't leave here. They don't go talk to people. It stays here. So you can be rest assured that that'll happen. So we're going to take a couple songs here. I would encourage you. Come up and just get some prayer. If you feel that tug in your heart.